Now grab your Bibles and go to the book of Acts. A few words, a few things I want to share um, with you this morning, and I'm going to ask our technical people to kind of track with me a little bit this morning um, on the screen so we can kind of move forward. But Acts chapter 2, I just want to pick up where we've been teaching and sharing for the past few weeks. And as it's Vision, Vision Sunday, I just want to um, remind you of a truth that's in Scripture so we can kind of move forward and continue to be who God would have us to be. Amen. So let me pray, and then uh, we're just going to walk through the Word and allow God to just move and be God in our midst. Father, we thank you for you. We thank you for what you're doing. You're a wonderful, awesome, phenomenal, mighty God, Lord. So as we take a moment just to look at Scripture, just to hear what you're saying in your word, I pray that you would just open our hearts to internalize this message, God. Internalize just a brief word, just a reminder, nothing magnificent or special, but just the vision of this ministry, God, and what you call us to be and what you call us to do. So as we look at Scripture, uh, speak through me to your people. Felix moves himself out of the way. As I say every single week, I have nothing to say except you speak, Lord. So we want to create kingdom communities, God. We want to be more of who you would have us to be. So we bless you. We thank you. You be God, Lord. Let your word land on fertile soil so someone could be transformed this morning, God. We don't preach for good feelings and for emotional response but more for transformation, God. So transform lives as we give this to you. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen, amen, amen. So do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, um, you've got the power to be a part of a kingdom community. Now point to yourself and say, self, I have been empowered to create kingdom communities. Very, very important. Okay, very, very important. So just bear with me a few minutes as we kind of talk through this. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Acts 1, right? Um, and Acts 2, what's been going on in that upper room with the power of the Holy Spirit landing on these uh, individuals that were in the upper room. And here's what we know, most of us, as we walk through this. And I'll just read the scripture and let the scripture talk to you. The majority of us, when it comes to um, our knowledge base of who the Holy Spirit is, and the purpose and function of the Holy Spirit, we, we, we see it mostly in the realm of just doing what God would have us to do. Here's what we've been saying Sunday and this past Wednesday, the gift of tongues, gift of prophecy, all those varying gifts, right? The gifts to evangelize, to all that good stuff. But I want to extend that a little bit more. And you might have heard this, but it may not have made sense to you, that one of the predominant reasons that the Holy Spirit enters in your life is so we can love each other right. Didn't expect that, did you? Yeah. Yeah, because God is love, right? And it teaches us how to live in community with each other, right? That we ought to be able to live in community. And I'll talk about what that means and what that looks like as we walk through Scripture. So I, here's what I said uh, for the past couple of weeks. I love a good worship experience. I love a good, I love the miraculous. I love all that good stuff. But then once I leave here, it must translate into how I live life out in the earth. Does that make sense? So in other words, I've got to be able to incarnate my Christianity and what I mean by that term, incarnation of my Christianity, it's got to become a very part of my essence. 
it must become a very part of my being and a part of who I am. So as we look at this text that's in front of us, I want to read the passage in its entirety. Then we're just going to pull out a couple of nuggets just to remind you of what the vision of this ministry is and what we believe that God has called us to be and to do so we can go about creating these authentic communities that God has given us. So look at Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read verses um, 42 through uh, 47, and then we'll just go back and point three things with a few subpoints that I want you to extract from this. If you just say amen. Verse 42 says, and they, come on, say they. Say it again, say they. I will explain who the they is in a little while, but let me just read. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. I'm in the ESV. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, Lord have mercy, they received, um, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, okay? Now, just a little bit of background to kind of bring you up to speed. If you were to back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 18, um, here's um, verse 8. Here's what you're going to find that that verse says, right? It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That word martus or martyrs can be translated that way, meaning that you're going to be giving your life, beginning in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and in all the ends of the earth. And what you see finding in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, you find the entrance now of the Holy Spirit into the earth realm. And so literally as these apostles or the residents in the upper room, namely over 120 plus individuals were sitting there, here's what you learned last week. The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit landed on them. The Holy Spirit empowered them for, the, for, for, um, for service. And they went about being witnesses, meaning they spoke. And we, y'all should have been here Wednesday, just had a great conversation about that. They spoke, and those in, from other nations who had attended Pentecost that day heard the gospel in their own language. All right? Come on, say amen. They heard the gospel in their own language. And then when you get to 41, um, here's what happens preceding chapter, uh, verse 41. Peter stands up and Peter preaches this just life-changing, amazing gospel message, right? And then at the altar call, about 3,000 people came down and gave their life to, life to Christ that Sunday morning. Talk about revival, y'all. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. I, I am praying, I'm praying for a day like that when you have over 3,000 people come and, and give their life to God. So you've got these 3,000 people now that's here in Jerusalem at the end of this first message that just got through, preached or spoke. They gave their life to Christ. And then what verses 42 to 47 now explained is what the church looked like at the birth of the church. Okay, so all of a sudden they go from 120 to over 3,000 people. What do they do with that, right? 
what did that look like, right? What, what, did, what was that experience like? What, what, you know, come on, y'all get the feel? What was going on here? And then verses 40 through, 42 through 47 explains what that looks like. So three main things. If we can put the first one on the screen, I want to walk through this with you just to give you a feel of what this looks like. So here's the first thing you need to know. The Holy Spirit now, he empowers the believer to live life in community. So repeat after me. Say, self. I am empowered to live in community with each other. Now, here's what did not happen, okay? After church, they all didn't get on their camel and disappeared and never spoke to each other till the next week. You know, like we do, right? And then we get on social media, and that's the only place we talk. Come on, y'all. Inbox me, girl. A dude, right? Notice what it says. They were empowered to live in community. So look at verse 42. It says here, after they gave their life to Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay? So a couple of subpoints. Put the next one on the screen. I kind of want to walk through this, and then we'll flesh it out. So here's the thing. If we're going to live life in community, number one, we must understand that we should be a learning community. Come on, say, I must be a learner of God's Word. The text says they were devoted to the disciples' teaching. Now, understand with me, these were people that were being converted from Judaism, and they had no idea what Christianity was. They had no idea what this new doctrine was. They had no idea what this new thing was that they were encountering. And that word devoted literally could mean that they gave their life, they gave themselves, they spent time, they were committed, they, they sat at the apostles' feet to learn, to hear, to receive what the apostles had for them. And here's the teaching that they received. It was the Word of God. Now, what was sweet about this teaching that they had, understand with me that those 12 guys, had, well, 11 because Judas had gone, had spent three years sitting at the feet of Jesus. So what better person to learn from? Come on now. Now, if I'm there, if I'm there, I would be like, hey, Peter, what did Jesus say, right? Hey, John, what did Jesus say? Hey, Mark, what did Jesus say? Hey, Andrew or Bartholomew, what did Jesus say? So literally, it was fresh, a fresh revelation, a fresh word directly from the mouth of the apostles being transferred, directed to them. So living in community means, number one, we must be committed to understanding and knowing the word of God. Timothy 3.16 puts it this way, all scriptures God read. It's profitable for knowledge, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, right? I love to use this metaphor. If I buy, if I buy a new piece of equipment and I don't know how to use the equipment, the best thing for me to do is to go to the user's manual and open up the user's manual and read the instructions on how to use the thing. You kind of get what I'm saying? If I don't know how to use me or how to work me, the best thing for me to do, <laughs> go to the manual, right? Go to the manufacturer, go to the manual, so I can learn, I can receive, I can understand. So number one, very, very important, I'm going to move quick. They were de devoted 
to the apostles' teaching. Right? Go to the next one. Here's a very, very important thing for you to understand. Not only were they devoted to the apostle teaching, that the community should be a loving community. I love this. And let me talk about this for a little while because notice what it says here. They were devoted, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, and it says, and to the fellowship, which also included the breaking of bread. Okay? Don't miss that. Come on, say they were devoted to the fellowship. Now, remember that word devoted, right? Now, this is what excites me about that. We just named a few people that just got connected to ministry because they're showing their devotion by not just attending but, or, or, or taking food away, but now by giving back, right? So here's what devotion to the fellowship includes. It includes participation. It includes impartation. And it includes fellowship. Right? So that means if I'm going to be in a body, I must be a part of the body, right? I receive the word of the Lord from the body, meaning there's a give and take where we receive from each other sin urgently, we learn from each other, and then there ought to be fellowship. Oh my gosh. Come on, say fellowship. That Greek word koinonias, or from the root koinos, right? Which means that there is a coming together that must take place, an actively involvement. The culture has shifted. Times have changed. But there was a point in time where you lived in community. I just got back from Uganda, and um, we're getting ready to go to Malawi again. Here is the interesting thing being an American going to Africa, right? We're in the villages, and one of the things we did were called home visits, right? And so you'd go into the village, and then you'd see this house, and then you would go to the house, and here's what would happen. People would literally invite you into their home, unannounced. This is America today. Dude, you better call me first. And then I look out the window, Lord, we pretend we're not here. <laughs> Why? We don't understand the importance of fellowship, right? We don't understand the importance of being together. And here's what that looks like. Because we don't fellowship enough, there is no accountability amongst ourselves and accountability amongst each other. And here's what it looks like. We end up having these secret sins. Oh, y'all don't want to hear and then we come to church faking the funk, if I may use that term, right? Because what we see in church is not who the real person is. But should we fellowship to each other, and I see you, Bernard, in your home, and you see me in my home, guess what happens? We get to meet the real person. I wish I had somebody in here. Then I can help you with your stuff, and you can help me with my stuff. Does this make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Fellowship is important. Yeah, yeah, because here, here's, what, here's what fellowship means. It says they, they were so much in fellowship that literally, here's what, here's what this new church looked like. They had all things in common. Look at, look at verse 44. It says, and day by day, no, let me back up to that. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And I love this because we don't know what this looks like. And selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone who had need. Oh, my gosh. 
This means so much, and this says so much to me because here's what that looks like, right? There was social equality in that church. I love it, right, in that fellowship because there were no big eyes and there were no little U's. You know, if I were to paint a picture of that, the doctor came to church and the doctor sat next to the janitor. Come on. And, 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 And the psychiatrist came to church and they sat next to the person who didn't have. There were no big eyes and there were no little U's. When it came together, the common unity that existed between the people of that community was they all had at the heart and at the root of who they were, Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And here's what that did. It tore down the barriers that existed that caused people to fool themselves into thinking they're more important than others. That's what the new church looked like. You kind of get what I'm saying? It wasn't like folk came in and you set the less than in the back and the more important up front. It doesn't matter who you are or who you were. There was social equality. And I really love this verse, this part, because here's locking to this. There was also economical equality. Right? Because here's what that means. If I had and you didn't have, guess what? You had. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't what we would refer to in today's day and age as the crab mentality. I got mine. You got to get yours for yourself. No, no, no. If I had and you didn't know how to get, I held your hand and I worked with you and I taught you how to get as well because there was economical equality. So here's what. If I had groceries and you didn't have none, guess what happened? You had groceries. I wish I had somebody in here. If I had a car and you didn't have none, guess what you had was a car. Come on. If my bills were paid and you were struggling to pay yours, guess what it looked like? Yours were, imagine a community. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Matthew, right? Matthew, uh, what's it, five. Your kingdom come, Matthew six. Your will be what? Done. How? On, where? As it is what? Here's what we say. We want to wait until we get to heaven to have all things in common. No, 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 no. The design of God is that kingdom communities reflect that and model that on the earth. Y'all not ready for this? I'm so busy trying to get mine and get ahead of the game and get rich that I don't have, to, I don't have time to bless you. So in the community, if I had a skill and you had a lack, my skill went to your lack. If you had a skill and I had a lack, your skill went to my lack. Do you get a picture? They had all things in common Selling their possessions and good, they did what? Gave to everyone as each had need. That is so foreign in this American culture, isn't it? Oh, come on, talk to me, y'all. That is so foreign in this American culture, right? But let me paint a picture. Imagine, imagine, imagine a world, imagine a church, imagine a body of believers that is so unified and having so many things in common that that the word on the street is, man, in that church, they're paying people's bills off. Come on, y'all. Imagine, imagine a place in, in that church, they got mechanics that attend there and all they charge you is the parts to fix your stuff. 
Oh, come on now. I, I, imagine imagine your, your, something's broken in your house and all they charged you was the money to buy the material because in kingdom, in the kingdom, I wish I had somebody in here. In kingdom, it's all, th- imagine a place like that. If, if I'm out, you're going to get this in a while. If I am out in the world and I hear that's happening, guess what's going to happen? Where's that place at? Where's that place at? They change your oil if you buy the oil. They change your brakes if you buy the brakes. Come on now. They fix your refrigerator if you buy the compressor. Come. Where's this place at? I want to be a part. You see, the problem with that is most of us think the power of the Holy Spirit is just for the spiritual stuff, and we don't know what it means to incarnate Christ. The last time I see Jesus raising the dead, he didn't give the mama a medical bill. The last time I saw Jesus healing the sick, he didn't give that man a medical bill. Come on, I wish I had somebody in here. He was modeling what Christian life looked like. And when you look at the New Testament church, that's the model we see. We thought that the Holy Spirit was just for spiritual stuff, right? But the Christ in me empowers me to do something completely different. Social equality economical equality. Imagine all of that, right? What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on. Y'all just thought it was a song. (laughs) Maybe you might sing it differently now. You get it? Devoted to the fellowship. Come on, does this make sense? Put the next one on the screen. Let me me just walk you through this, right? And then here's the, 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 I love this. It was a community that was devoted to prayer. If this church is going to become a kingdom community, prayer has to take a priority in all of our lives. Really. How can we serve God and we don't talk to him much? You get it? They were a praying community. This is what discipleship looked like, right? Let me go here. They created places for them to belong, and then they taught them to believe, and then they grew them to behave like Christ. You get it. You get it? Repeat after me. Say, self. We must become a praying church. One more time. Say it again. Say, self. We must become a praying church. Next thing, go to the next slide. Let me just, I'm, I'm almost done. I just kind of want to walk this. Here's the thing. Here's another thing that you got to understand. The Holy Spirit now empowers the believer to spread the gospel. In other words, you got to become witnesses to the surrounding community. I'm not going to say much about that because the last couple of weeks has been all about that, right? Wednesday, we spent a lot of time to talk about that. But look at this verse. Look at, um, look at what verse is that? Verse 43. And awe came upon every soul... And many wonders and sign were being done through the apostles. I want to share just one brief thing about that, that text and that verse to kind of really lay your eyes on some things that you may not have thought up, right, thought of. Come on, say awe. awe. One, one more time, say awe. awe. The picture that I just painted about fellowship, the picture I just painted about prayer, the picture I just painted about the whole issue of being devoted to the teaching of the word of God, here's the result. It creates jaw-dropping results, okay? So let let me help you out with that, jaw-dropping results. 
more times than often, when we think of the miraculous, when we think of signs and wonders, when we think of all those things, here's what we do. We restrict it to the inside perimeters of the church. We do, right? And so we want our worship experiences to be filled with healings and to be filled with the miraculous and to be filled with all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Here's what I want to say with this point that I'm making. It must also extend to the outside perimeters of this church. You guys don't believe me yet. If you were to read the New Testament, Matthew all the way to John, there's not that many miracles that happened inside the synagogue. Right? Matter of fact, you know, you, you know the ones, the man with the withered hand that was there. Come on, y'all know the ones. Come on, y'all. You, you can count them on one hand, the ones that happened inside the synagogue on a Sabbath morning. But if we were to go out into the community, the majority of the miracles and wonders happened where? Out there. Okay? The woman with the issue of the blood, right? The woman, the, the man with the son from Nain, Jarius's daughter, the feeding of the 5,000. Need I go on and on and on? The majority of the miraculous were done on the outside. So why am I saying that? I'm saying the Holy Spirit that God has given you is for you to go out on the street and you can tell the wino that's out there they can be delivered. I wish I had somebody in here. You can tell the person struck on drugs. You can tell the person that's going through hardships in life. You can tell your coworker that God can heal them. And this is interesting. This this is interesting. Look at this. Absent relationship with God, you are empowered to heal them. I hope you all are ready for this. Right? You're empowered to heal them. Absent relationship with God. Because here's our mindset. You know Jesus. No, I don't know Jesus. This ain't going to work on you. Let me move on to the next one. I want y'all to hear me. I'm being serious, okay? Because you've got to understand you are empowered to incarnate Christ in community. So here's what that means. That because of what God could do in that unbeliever, the unbeliever can be drawn to a relationship with God. Here's what I said a couple of weeks ago. The man that was born blind. All this was systematic for a reason. Who healed you? Some man named Jesus. What is he? He's a prophet. I really don't know him, but he healed me. And notice the result of the healing. The man finally came and gave his life to Christ. Can I lay the premise that maybe one of the reasons the world isn't being drawn to a relationship with God is because we don't go out in the world and work the wonders of God. We only want to do it in the church where people are already healed. Try it once. Try it once. Does that make sense? Power to come on. Say power to go out. Say, and so here's what happens. People were filled with awe because they were like, my goodness, God is working in the church and he's working out the church. And everyone was just amazed at what God was doing. I love this. And signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Don't make the mistake of thinking it was only to the believing group. Your faith has nothing to do with God's ability. Did y'all get that? Your faith has nothing to do with God's ability. He's still God. You kind of get where I'm going, right? Don't, don't make that mistake. Girl, you got to believe this is going to happen for it. No, 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 no. Can God heal or can God not heal? 
Because if my faith restricted the ability of God, he wouldn't have went to Calvary for my sins. But I thank God that he did. Come on, does this make sense? Next one, let me move. I want to move real quick. Keep going. Go to the next slide, okay? So there was a sense of reverence and respect. I love this real quick. Here's what, because that word phobos is the word that's used there. Here's what that means. The people out in the world respected the church because of how the church engaged them in the world. So this awe was not only inside. It was also outside. It was not only inside, but it was also outside. Outside. So here's what was not happening back then. Them church folk, a bunch of hypocrites. They respected them because of what they were doing. Listen to this. In the community. You guys are all right with this? One of the things that I share with my elders a lot, I say to them, and you've heard me say this before. If the church were to close its doors, would the community rally around the church to say, no, keep the doors open, we need you? Or would they say, we didn't even know y'all existed? <laughs> Can I get what I'm saying? Would they pick it, saying, keep the doors open, because these people feed us, these people heal us, these people clothe us, these people minister to us, these people are actively in our community, these people clean our yards, these people cut my grass, these people take out... Or would they say, shut them down? I didn't even know they existed. Next one, real quick. I'm going to land on this last thing real quick. Go to the next one, okay? So signs and wonders were done in and out. Go to the next one. Let's keep going. Here's the last thing I want to share with you real quick. Next slide real quick. The Spirit-filled church should be a growing church, okay? I want to land on this and I'll stop, okay? So jump all the way down to the last verse. When they were doing these things, right? Verse 46, day by day. Attending the temple courts together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Y'all ready for this? Those who were being saved. You guys see that? Let me, let me take two minutes here. The Lord, repeat after me, say, the Lord added, those who were being saved. One more time. The Lord added those who were being saved. Don't make this mistake that God saved them, Pastor D, right? And then he brought them in. Don't make that mistake. This is the problem with the church. Don't make the mistake that God went out and got them Yolanda and then God cleaned them up. And then God brought them in. Maybe that's your testimony. That's not my testimony. You can't get what I'm saying? You can't get what I'm saying? Because being saved kind of connotes and implies those that are in process of making it in relationship with him. So, so here, here's what that means. Here, here, here's what that means. That folks going to come in that hasn't stopped clubbing yet. Oh, y'all not ready for this. Folks going to come in that hadn't quite put down the marijuana stick yet. Y'all not ready yet. Folks going to come in that haven't quite put the bottle down yet. Come on. 
folks going to come in that haven't stopped womanizing or manizing, whatever term you want to use, right? Folks going to come in that haven't stopped stealing you. I thought I had somebody in here. Folks going to come in that have a whole lot of problems in life. Folks going to come in whose, whose dresses are still too short. They're going to come in whose pants are still too low. I wish I had somebody in here. Folks going to come in who has a wife and a girlfriend at home. Y'all not ready for this. Folks going to come in who's have children out of wedlock. Folks going to come in with all kinds of problems. But the fact is, because of the love of the fellowship, they understood the process of God and they knew what sanctification was. So guess what? God brought them with all their mess and he brought them in. And here's what he says. This is a safe place for you to be complete. Yes. We have lost that. Yes, we have. And we're checking folk out at the front door. Lord, ushers, ushers. And they can't make it past the door, and they don't get saved because God brings them to us and we put them out because they don't look like us. Here's what I said. My salvation testimony wasn't an instantaneous. I came in with some stuff. You kind of get what I'm saying? I think there's two or three of you in here that came in with some stuff too coming. Are you with me? Came in with some stuff. But, but the longer I stayed in, the less the stuff. I wish I had somebody in here. And the longer I stayed in, the being saved. Come on, are you with me? I think that's why scripture says, work out your soul salvation. Here's, I'm not saying to you that salvation is this long, drawn-out process. No, 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 no. God saves you instantly, but I've been sinning so long, I've got to learn how to walk righteous. I've got to learn how to talk righteous. I've got to learn how to be holy because my former life had defined who I was. Three years, Jesus had a thief on his board. Heck, he was the treasurer. He was on the board. He was on the board. And that jerker was stealing. And the funny part, every time he took some money, Jesus saw him and he said nothing. Because he knew he was giving him opportunity to be saved. If we can understand what kingdom community is, Every person out there will have access to God and have an opportunity to come to relationship with God. I am not saying tolerate behaviors. I am saying love people through their mess. Love them through their mess. I am saying that. You kind of get what I'm saying? And be wise. I'm not saying make the last thief the treasurer. Don't, don't do that. You kind of get where I'm going, right? But tell them there's room at the cross. Yeah, you get it. For him. And you say like the old hymn said, though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Are you with me? I love that phrase. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And if I don't flesh this out, we would think that folk would come into the church. When you come, you're supposed to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's with fire. That's a lie. Right? The church is a hospital. It's filled with sick people. 
And as one sick person to another, we've got to learn how to have fellowship with each other. We've got to learn how to be devoted. We've got to learn how to pray for, come on, I wish I had somebody in here, how to pray for each other. And we create such a joyous atmosphere that this culture becomes contagious and people come to God because of who he is and what he can do. That woman with the issue of blood followed him. Why? Not because he might, because she knew he could heal her. And, here, and she pressed her way through the crowd. And I'm glad the crowd didn't say, you don't belong here. They made room for her to come. That paralytic that they tore Peter's mama's roof up to let that man down. If somebody were to dig a hole through the church, we'd call the fire department. Change this. And watch what God's going to do. You kind of get what I'm saying? That once we've come in and we've grown, our job is to raise others up and disciple, disciple others and to raise people up and tell them, here's the series, right? Where you came from, God is sending you back to get others so they can come in. And when they say, why should I come? Here's what you said. If you did it for me, he can do it for you. Does this make sense? Come on, say we have power to create kingdom communities. Bow your heads with me. Come on, worship team. Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, you're wonderful. Holy Spirit, you're gracious, you're merciful, you're kind. You're awesome, God. You are all that. And Holy God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are. And as your word has gone forth, John 3.16 puts it this way. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what that means. You loved me while I was yet sinning and you extended an invitation for me to be a part of your family so I can be in a kingdom community. My prayer this morning, God, is should there be one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior and they've come and now they hear, man, the church should love me like that. Draw them into a relationship. These people in here don't care about what I did. Draw them into a relationship. And maybe there's one here, God, that backslid because of wounds, because of hurt from a church, religious institution, some organization, and they felt rejected. I'm hoping that the word today let them know that they too can come. God loves them as well. So Holy Spirit, move in this place. If there's one that says, you know, I, I know God, I just want to be baptized, come. And I want to be a part of this fellowship, God, come. Be God in this, in this place, God, as we give this to you. In your name we pray and thank you.